I began to realize that one of the things that I had always deemed to be awful about me was my ability to talk. You know, I came out of the womb talking and I'd always been told I was too much. Hello and welcome to another season of Unashamedly Human, the podcast. My name is Emily Chadbourne and this is your safe space to explore how weird it is to be human. Yes, we talk about mindset, manifestation and spirituality, but we do it through the lens of our humanity. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I love you very much. Before we get started, I would just like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which I record this podcast today, the Boonarong people of the Kulin Nation, and I pay my respects to elders past and present. Hello and welcome to Unashamedly Human, the podcast. My name is Emily Chadbourne and today I want to tell you a little story. So brew up a cup of tea, crack open the posh biscuits that you hide from your kids. Let's settle in and I'll take you on a little journey because today I want to talk to you about the four sort of pivotal moments in my life and four massive lessons that I learned along the way that took me from waiting tables for 20 bucks an hour and being very in debt to running a multiple six-figure company serving women all over the world. So we'll start with some very long hair. I used to have very long hair for two reasons. Number one, I really liked Jennifer Aniston and I wanted to be Jennifer Aniston. And if you remember, Jennifer Aniston famously played Rachel Green in Friends, who was a waitress at the coffee house Central Perk. And in a matter of about three episodes, went from waiting tables to having this fabulous career in fashion. And that's what I wanted. I wanted someone to magically write the script of my life and take me out of the waitressing world and into some kind of career that was like, duh, of course that's what Emily should be doing. It's right up her street. She's naturally really good at it. She's got zero qualifications, zero network, but here she is living this fabulous life, doing this fabulous thing. That's just what I wanted. I just, I had no idea how to leave hospitality or where I should be going or what I should be doing. I felt so lost. I felt deeply underqualified to do anything. And yeah, I was just sort of swimming in circles, really, waiting tables. And the other reason that I had really long hair was honestly because I couldn't afford to go and get a haircut. I was thousands of pounds in debt. So whilst I had been in Australia for a handful of years by this time, I had racked up debt on a UK credit card. So my debt was in pounds sterling. I was earning in Aussie dollar. I was missing repayments. I was ignoring phone calls from the bank. And yeah, just like literally earning 20 bucks an hour in tips and working as a casual. So zero security, no holiday pay, no sick pay. Had to fight for your shifts. It was not a fun time. And I remember one Friday specifically, Fridays were our busiest days and I was preparing for the lunch shift and I was tying back my really long Jennifer Aniston hair. And I remember saying to myself over and over again, don't lose your shit, don't lose your shit, don't lose your shit. And the reason I was telling myself not to lose my shit was because that morning, my partner who I'd come over from the UK with 
had decided to end our relationship. And that's just a really nice way of me saying I'd had my ass dumped. And I was devastated. And the reason I was trying to hold it in was because my partner and I had decided we weren't going to tell anyone for a while. And there was a really good reason behind this. We had two very good friends who just got engaged to each other. And they were having this massive engagement party on the Saturday. And we didn't want news of us breaking up to overshadow the happy couple's happy day. So we just decided we would stay stumm until after the weekend. We weren't going to tell anyone. The problem is, of course, what happens when you have somebody who is not in control of her emotions, who feels like a victim of her own life, and you take her to an engagement party where there is just free champagne. (laughs) Well, my ladies and gentlemen, I am what happens in that situation. I don't remember the party. It's all very, very hazy. But I am reliably informed by my friends that the evening ended with me standing on the front lawn of the bride-to-be's house, which is where the engagement party was being held, her parents' house. And I was screaming like a banshee in the face of my now ex-boyfriend. And I've got a very good mate. His name is Jamin. He's this big uh, New Zealand guy. And um, he came up behind me and he rugby tackled me to the floor and he put me in the back of a taxi and he sent me home. And the next morning I woke up and I was just drenched in this feeling of shame. And I had a thought that set off this sort of chain of events that would change my whole life. And the thought was, I am going to be sick. And I jumped out of bed and I ran to the bathroom And in my haste to get my face as close to the toilet bowl as possible before vomiting, I kind of whipped my head. And as I did, my long Jennifer Aniston hair flew in front of my face as my mouth opened and I was sick in my hair. So here I am. I'm a 34-year-old waitress who is newly single, has no money, is completely in debt, feels like she has no prospects, no qualifications, no way out. And she has her own vomit in her own hair. And I forced myself to stand up and look at myself in the mirror. And it was such a sight. I really did not recognize the woman who was staring back at me. Like my my fake eyelashes had kind of like cemented themselves to my cheekbones. I hadn't taken my makeup off. So my lipstick was kind of like smeared all over my face. I looked like the Joker. I had all this vomit in my hair. And I remember looking at myself directly in the eyes and I couldn't hold my gaze for very long. But what I saw was somebody who I didn't really like and even more petrifying, somebody I didn't know. I realised I didn't know myself and what I could see, I was very unimpressed with. And if I'm going to be honest, at that moment, I was just kind of pissed about it. Like I was really angry. I was very quick to blame other people. So blamed my parents because they loved me too much. Blamed my sisters because they were both older than me, so I always felt a bit left out. Blamed every boss I'd ever had. Blamed every ex-partner I'd ever had. And I was so busy blaming, blaming, blaming. And then all of a sudden, I heard this voice. I'm going to be really honest with you guys. It did sound a little bit like Jennifer Aniston. And this voice kind of came to me, and it said... It's not them, it's all you. 
And in that moment, I think I realized that every shit job I'd ever had, every missed payment I'd ever made, every argument, every bitchy moment, every ex-partner or failed relationship, all of these experiences had only one common denominator and that common denominator was me. And the moment I realized that I had two very different emotions but I had them simultaneously. The first one was a bit of relief because if it was me that needed to change, well at least that was in my control. That the second emotion was overwhelm because no one had ever taught me how to emotionally regulate, how to sit with my feelings, how to understand my thoughts and recognize how to change my own patterns of behavior. No one had ever taught me that. You know, I went to school, I went to college, I went to university, but no one ever taught me about human behavior. No one ever taught me how to meet myself or how to actively change the parts of my life that I didn't like. And in that moment, I learned this huge lesson And this lesson has served me so well throughout my whole life ever since. And it was to take radical responsibility. I recognized that I and I alone was the only person in this whole world who could change my finances, my career, how I felt about myself. And I realized I had spent so much time looking externally for validation of myself that I was leaking out my resources, my time, my money, my energy was just like desperately going out of me, hoping and wishing and waiting for something or someone else to validate me. Sometimes that validation came in a bottle of wine. Sometimes it came in a dress from Kmart. Sometimes it came in online shopping at two o'clock in the morning. Sometimes it came from zoning out in front of reality TV but none of it was coming from me. And as a result, I was much poorer for it in every respect. I had less time, I had less money, and I had less energy because all of those three precious resources were being sent out from me. I was pushing them outside of myself. I wasn't investing in me. I wasn't investing time in myself or energy in myself or money in myself. It was all externally led. And that was the first thing that I sort of tangibly and physically changed. You know, I stopped wasting money on shit I didn't need. I stopped gossiping at work and spending my energy trying to make people like me and trying to convince other people that I was good enough when I didn't feel good enough myself. I stopped spending my time watching shit on TV and zoning out and sleeping in and not taking care of myself. I started self-parenting myself for the first time ever at the age of 34. And I went on this one-woman mission to find out about myself. I decided I was going to take my time, my money and my energy and I was going to learn about myself. And I was going to learn what I needed to change inside of me in order to change my external world and I could tell you at the time all the things that I didn't want I didn't want to be waitressing I didn't want to be in debt I didn't want to be single I didn't want to be lonely even when I was around my friends I felt like I was alone so I knew that there were huge gaps to fill but still I felt very lost I didn't know what it was that I wanted I certainly in a million years could never have seen myself sitting where I am today that was way too much of a stretch for me to even consider 
that I would ever have the confidence or the skills to be able to do something like run my own business. And I started listening to podcasts and I started reading books and I started watching YouTube videos and I went to the greats. I went to the Tony Robbins and the Marie Forleos and the Gabby Bernsteins and I just started harvesting as much information as I could and relating it to myself. And then I found myself in a coaching school doing a free weekend and I started learning about NLP and I started learning about coaching skills and questioning and mindset and shifting the way that we have our core beliefs and our values around ourselves and how once we start shifting that we can start shifting our behavior and I really wanted to do this course and it was $14,997 and I had minus 20,000 US dollars in my bank account and I was earning 20 bucks an hour but for the first time ever instead of just being oh defeated instead of just being like oh no can't do that my circumstances won't allow it For the first time ever, because of the personal development I had been consuming, the free stuff that I had been consuming, I was like, if I really want this, and I mean, if I really want it, I can make this happen. And so I started picking up extra shifts at the restaurant. I started saving every single cent that I was earning. And after a while, I had enough for the deposit for the course. I was still in debt. I was still only earning 20 bucks an hour, but I had enough to get me into the course, if nothing else. And so I walked in and I sat down and I signed the contract to start this coaching course. It was a two-year coaching course. And all I had in my sweaty little hands was the $500 for the deposit. I didn't know how the payment plan was going to happen. I didn't know how I was going to make the $250 fortnightly repayments. I didn't have any of those answers. But I knew that I just had to say yes and that the how would work itself out. I think up until that point, I had just lived a life feeling like I was trapped by my current circumstances. I didn't realize how much power I had to change my world. And I was so wrapped up in worrying about what other people would think and the fear of failure and not feeling like I was good enough that I just accepted the experiences that I drifted into and I didn't realize that those experiences weren't being handed to me they were of my doing you know I always just felt unfair that I didn't have as much money as my friends but to actually turn around and recognize that that wasn't because I was waiting tables it was because of my attitude towards money it was because I was playing these terrible belief systems that told me that I wasn't smart enough to have more money that I wasn't good enough with money that money was a really awful nasty thing and it made people argue like I had such terrible belief systems around money I also had terrible belief systems around myself I didn't think I was worthy I didn't think I was smart enough I thought I was too old to retrain to do anything else god I was only 35 what an idiot I had this awful kind of narrative around my own capabilities and I was so caught up in worrying about what other people thought but that moment that vomit in my hair moment was the moment where I looked at myself and I realized I had to start showing up for myself because nothing in my world was going to change whilst I continued to be a victim of my circumstance so I took some radical responsibility like I said I took those resources of time money and energy and I invested them inwards and I began to learn about coaching I began to learn about neurolinguistic programming. I consumed everything that I could about human behavior. 
And like I said, I began to challenge those belief systems that had kept me stuck. And I began to realize that one of the things that I had always deemed to be awful about me was my ability to talk. You know, I came out of the womb talking and I'd always been told I was too much. Too much talking. Em would do much better at school if she talked less. Em got in trouble again today for talking through the lesson. And I assumed that my superpower was actually my curse. I assumed that this thing that I seemed to be able to do very well, which was to constantly talk like a stream of consciousness constantly coming out my mouth, that made me unworthy. It made me not good enough. It was the thing that I should be ashamed of. And for all of those years, I had been carrying around this assumption that I was less lovable because when I open my mouth, I find it hard to stop talking. And actually, that is my superpower. That's the thing I was put on earth to do. I love public speaking. I love talking on video. I love recording podcasts. I love stories. I love communicating through stories. I love listening to your stories. And here I was this whole time shaming myself for it. And I decided to stop doing that. I decided to go live on Facebook and start sharing some of the concepts that I was learning about through this personal development course and nobody watched and nobody liked and that was okay. I turned up again and I did it the next day and I did it the next day and I did it the next day. And I started challenging all the stories in my head that told me that no one would care and no one would listen and no one gave a shit what I had to say. And I talk too much and when I talk too much, I'm unlovable and I shouldn't show up and I should just play small. And I just started challenging every single one of those stories with the formulas and the structures and the questions and the strategies that I was learning through this coaching course. And eventually people started listening and eventually people started liking and eventually people started commenting and eventually some people even started asking some questions. And once I was engaging with an audience, I started asking for a sale. I mean, that was a whole piece, learning about how to sell and going through the internal journey that I had to do around selling, but we got there in the end. And all I wanted, the only thing that I wanted was to make enough money from coaching so that I could stop waiting tables. And it was not a lot of money. I think it was about $550 a week, maybe $600 a week. That's all I needed to earn through coaching so that I could stop waiting tables. And that's all I, I wasn't interested in the $100,000 year business or the, certainly didn't even comprehend that I could have a multiple six-figure business. I just wanted to earn 600 bucks a week so that I could stop waiting tables. And that happened and it felt amazing. It felt glorious. It felt like such an achievement. And I continued to try and grow my business as best I could. I employed a business coach. I, again, I did that before I felt ready. I did it when I wasn't sure how it was going to work out. I just said yes and trusted that the how would work itself out because I just followed my curiosity and I knew that I couldn't do life alone. I knew I needed support and assistance and guidance and coaching. And things were going pretty well. I'm going to be honest. I was created this lovely little business and I was niching in sort of the relationship space so I was working with women who were single and looking for relationships and we did loads of stuff on self-love and it was really fun to market and I was really enjoying it and then 2017 happened and 
2017 was a very big year for me. It started off by falling in love, which is delightful and wonderful and how life-changing love can be. Um, I fell in love with a woman and that was the first time that had ever happened for me. So up until that point, I had just considered myself to be a heterosexual woman who had this lovely little business teaching other heterosexual women how to have relationships with heterosexual men. And so when I fell in love with a woman, I had a huge load of identity stuff that came up for me. It was very confronting. I felt suddenly very disconnected from my business and felt out of integrity with my business. And I wasn't ready to tell the world that I was in a relationship with a woman, but I also didn't know how to show up in this business that I had created. And so I stopped showing up. And of course, what happens when you stop showing up is that you stop getting clients. And so I found myself under a bit of financial stress again. And then in June of 2017, I flew back to the UK to be with my mum because she had been diagnosed with cancer a couple of years before and she was approaching end of life. And I had the great honor of being bedside with her on the night that she died. And anyone who's listening who's lost lost somebody that they love deeply and I think sometimes especially a parent and I was very lucky and fortunate enough to have two phenomenal parents I think anybody who loses a parent that they genuinely adore you know there is something that happens this sort of untethering and a huge sense of I don't know how to explain it. I guess it's like the person who loves me the most in the whole world, in the whole world, is now no longer here to love me physically in that way. And that feels very confronting and it feels very scary and you're slapped with your own mortality and grief is a beast that we have to learn to live with and you have to fit your life around it. It refuses to fit itself around your life. And you have to learn a new way of being where you and your grief co-inhabit the same space. So I was doing all of that, still in love with this amazing woman, still not really showing up in my business, especially because I'd spent so much time in the UK and dealing with my mum dying. And I came back to Australia and I started to try and rebuild business for myself. And then towards the end of 2017, my partner decided she no longer wanted to be in a relationship with me. I did not see any of those warning signs. I was oblivious to them. And about three days after she ended our relationship, I found out that she had started a new relationship with one of my best friends. So that was 2017 for me. It was a very hard year. And I remember standing in my living room, I'd just hurt my ankle. I'm quite a runner. I love running for my mental health. I don't really do it for my body. That's just a Brucey bonus, but I'm a huge believer in running for mental health. And I had really injured my right ankle and to the point that I couldn't really weight bear on it for some time. And I remember standing in my living room, looking out, there was a big, huge tree in our front garden and I was looking out at the tree and I was heartbroken. I felt betrayed. I was grappling with all of this grief. The only person that I felt could make any of this better was my mum, and she was no longer here. 
I couldn't run and I had this pain in my leg. And I remember thinking that I felt very sinister to myself. So I called my friend Kim, who lives just around the corner. And I was like, Kim, I'm struggling and I don't want to be alone. And she said, oh, well, I'm making a risotto. (laughs) And I was like, all right, mate, thanks. She was like, what I mean is I can't leave the stove. Get in a cab and come on over. And I had to get in a cab, not because she lived so far away, because she was literally around the corner, but because I couldn't walk. I couldn't wait there. And so I jumped in a taxi and the taxi driver started talking as they tend to do. How was your day? What have you been up to? And I'm weeping, right? Like tears are just streaming down my face, slightly hyperventilating, limping on this leg that I can't walk on. And he asked me this very strange question. And it shocked me that he asked me this question because clearly I was in a state of distress. And he said, are you happy with your life? And I went to answer him with all of the reasons that I was not happy with my life, right? Like, look at me, I'm heartbroken and my mum's just died. My partner's left and my friend betrayed me and my ankle hurts. And I was about to tell him all of this because I was, everything was so, all of my emotions were so on the surface. And I turned around to him and I opened my mouth and the word yes fell out. And I was so shocked by it because I meant it. Yes, I'm happy with my life. And it made no sense to me. How could I be happy with my life? And then over the next couple of days, I sat with it and meditated on it. And I began to realize that I was happy with my life because I understood that life is a paradox, that we cannot live a life that is devoid of problem. Is that a word, devoid, or is it just void? If I just, I just make up a word, I'm very good at doing that. Anyway, moving on. Um, I recognize that bad stuff is going to happen. You can't live a life without death or without disease. You can't control what other people do. And the, tr- the truth of the matter is, if you open yourself up for love, likelihood is you are going to get hurt. And these are all things that are built into life. But it doesn't mean we have a bad life. We can have a wonderful life and still experience the full spectrum of emotion. And that full spectrum of emotion involves both joy and despair. And they are part of what I call living a whole life. And in that moment, I began to speak very differently in my business. I moved away completely from relationships and from dating. And I began to speak about this idea that really what personal development and manifestation are all about is setting ourselves up with the internal capabilities and resources to be able to handle life. The good bits, because leaning into joy can feel just as petrifying as leaning into, you know, starting your own business or love or, you know, all of the things that we fear we might fail at leaning into joy, but also leaning into those moments where it feels like life is one big problem and it feels like the shit is raining down on you. And manifestation is not just about getting what you want. And I think here in the Western world and celebrity coach world and, you know, 
kind of like mainstream social media, we've bastardized manifestation to be like the art of just getting what you want all of the time, right? It's just the law of attraction. So if you want something hard enough and you think about it enough and you match your vibrational frequency to it enough, it will just come to you because that's the way that the world works. And that's what we call science. And it's bollocks. That's pseudoscience. It doesn't stand up at all. That's not what manifestation is about. Manifestation is about going for your dreams, but knowing that along the way, you are going to hit hard patches. You are going to hit resistance. You are going to hit problem. You are going to sometimes feel like the universe doesn't want you to have what it is that you desire and you are going to have to call on those internal strengths to show up and do the goddamn thing anyway even in the face of failure even in the face of embarrassment even in the face of grief even in the face of heartbreak even in the face of betrayal these are not things that we get to avoid as human beings these are things we need to learn to dance with and the better we understand the dance the better that we can move the better we can groove hello I wasn't expecting to say that the the more that we can move with what is going on around us and not sit in the resistance of it by saying it shouldn't be this way or it's not fair or this should only ever this only ever happens to me and not playing that victim card and deciding that okay this is the way it is this is the cards that I've been dealt in this particular moment what do I want to do with it how do I want to move forward with it how can I process this how can I have this emotion how can I sit in the trust and the knowing that this is a temporary experience and that it won't be like this forever and that I get to control myself and I can keep moving forward and that lesson for me that lesson around manifestation not just being about what it is that you want but actually it's about building resilience it's about saying okay this is a particular season of my life that feels really hard but I know it's a season and I know it's not going to stay like this forever knowing that you get to dig really deep in and use the skills or I'll talk about myself here because I can't talk for you but I got to dig really deep and use all of the skills that I had learned through all of the personal development that I had done all of the mindset work all of the NLP work all of the personal development work that I had been doing that meant that I could draw on my own strength to handle this big massive emotional weight of 2007-17 and still show up for myself and decide that I was going to make my life better. I was not going to be defeated by my circumstances. I was not going to stay bitter or stay angry or stay the victim of my life. That I was going to implement what I had learned and I was going to show up for myself in the face of fear, in the face of grief, in the face of getting it wrong, in the face of looking like a loser in front of other people, I was going to show up anyway because I have to show up for me. I cannot expect the universe to show up for me if I am not going to show up for me. So that was my big lesson of 2017 was, was resilience and applying the formulas, applying the mindset, applying the resources for dealing with the problem that had presented itself to me um and that was a massive lesson that's held me in such great stead as I have continued to grow my business so the third thing that happened along my timeline happened the year after and that was 2018 and that was sobriety so I have always been a heavy drinker um partly or I guess the excuse for me was always hospitality. You know, it's not uncommon for you to down a couple of tequila shots before a busy shift or to, you know, finish off a shift with a bottle of wine. It was 
such a cultural part of the way that I worked in hospitality for so long. And I knew I needed to stop drinking because as I left hospitality and started working for myself, I couldn't curb the drinking. In fact, with everything that went on in 2017, I began to drink a lot more and I recognized that I was numbing out feelings. I was ignoring some of the pain. I was using it as a lifeboat instead of learning how to fucking swim. So I decided to stop drinking. And I did lots of bargaining with myself. Maybe I won't drink Monday to Friday. I'll only drink on the weekends or I'll only drink on a special occasion. And then all of a sudden it's Tuesday, but it's someone's birthday. So I'm finding myself drinking again or, you know, it's Wednesday and I've had a bit of a bad day. So I just pop into the bottle and grab a bottle of wine on my way back from a meeting. But that's at four o'clock in the afternoon. So I'm just going to have a glass of wine at four o'clock in the afternoon. I just found myself feeling really out of control with it. And a friend of mine said, why don't you go to AA? And I scoffed because I was like, excuse me, I'm not an alcoholic. And she said, well, what do you think an alcoholic is? And I was like, oh, well, you know, an alcoholic is somebody who has lost their job and they don't have any friends anymore and they've, you know, gone bust. And, you know, this whole time I, yeah, was drinking every day and yeah, I was drinking too much and yeah, I couldn't stop even though I wanted to. But, you know, my business was starting to grow again and I had really great friends and I was sort of coming out of that initial slap around the face that 2017 had given me and I I did feel like I was sort of crawling back to some kind of like healthy mindset and healthy lifestyle apart from the booze and my lovely friend turned around and she was like that's not what an alcoholic is an alcoholic is somebody who wants to give up drinking but can't and I was like oh (laughs) yeah okay and I think what I learned in that first AA meeting was that alcoholism is on a spectrum like everything is on a spectrum right and whilst I was relatively low down on that spectrum I was holding down my job and I was holding down my friends it's still alcoholism if you want to give up drinking and you can't and that was the day it was the 29th of May 2018 that I had my last alcoholic drink and The reason I think this is important, and I don't think you need to be sober to be successful and to find success because it's always relative, right? But like, for me, what sobriety did was it asked me to develop a spiritual practice. And what I mean by spiritual practice is how well do you sit in your own company? How well do you self-reflect? How well do you hold yourself when times are real shit? Because whilst I got through 2017 and I made it to 2018 and I kept showing up and I kept applying the mindset work and I kept applying the formulas and the structures and all of the things that I had been learning through personal development and I began growing my business again and I was healing somewhat, even though a lot of that healing was taking place with numbing through alcohol, like it still didn't feel good. I was still scared of how I was feeling. I was still in resistance to how I was feeling. I still didn't think it was fair that all of this stuff had happened to me. Oh, actually, life isn't fair. That's a fair point. (laughs) It wasn't fair and it isn't fair because life's not fair. But that in itself is a spiritual concept. You know what? Life is not fair. It's just not. If you're looking for fair, you're going to feel really disappointed by life. So a spiritual practice for me was about learning self-trust 
It was about learning how to self-soothe. It was about learning mindfulness and particular practices so that I could really sit with myself and understand the symbiotic relationship that I have with the rest of the universe. I ended up doing a lot of kundalini yoga, which was really healing for me, Um, really great for my mindset, really great for my body, um, really great for that sort of um, mind-body connection. I actually ended up doing my level one teacher training under Guru Singh with Brett Larkin. I also did a Vedic meditation course with Johnny Pollard, who runs One Giant Mind. Um, I, I really went deep into spirituality and I tried lots of things and I danced with lots of ideas and I, you know, went to Buddhist teachings and I went to healings and I saw kinesiologists and Reiki healers and someone blew a didgeridoo at my bung ankle and I didn't really do anything, but you know, it's nice to be around sound. And yeah, I went really, really deep and, and a lot of it I don't necessarily practice and a lot of it I don't you know, I went once and wouldn't go back again, but I just followed my curiosity. And I think one of the things I'm most proud of with my clients is that they don't necessarily come for a spiritual practice because they come because they want their lives to be better. They come because they want to know themselves. They come because they don't know who they are. They come because they feel directionless and they feel stuck. They don't come because, oh, M's got a spiritual practice. That looks interesting. But part of the work that we do is inevitably leads them to a space where they know themselves and where they trust themselves and for me that's what a spiritual practice is it could be walking in nature it could be sitting in meditation it could be learning how to journal appropriately so that the stuff that you write down actually changes your life it could be just knowing how to sit with a really big emotion it could be learning to listen to your intuition and then following through on that intuition even though it's really fucking scary even though it doesn't make sense to other people even though other people might be questioning you that for me is a real spiritual experience it's about understanding yourself in the context of the universe and it's about knowing what you can and cannot control surrendering what you cannot control and running headlong into the stuff that you can that for me is what a spiritual practice is and it's absolutely life-changing and then the fourth and oh yeah sorry so the lesson there really for me was like self-love like real self-love, unwavering. I think I'm the most important person in my life and I don't expect anyone else to think I'm the most important person in their life. In fact, I think it would be weird if you thought I was the most important person in your life. But I honor myself and I like myself and I know that I'm an evolving, emerging version of myself all of the time. And so I'm always meeting the next version of myself and I'm always listening to what she needs and I'm always taking the appropriate action to make sure that I'm well-loved, well-nurtured, well-looked after and well-resourced. That's my spiritual practice. And then the fourth thing that happened was COVID. La, 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 the pandemic. Like everybody else, when the pandemic first kicked off, And everyone was like, what does this mean? We didn't know how long it was going to last. We didn't know what a lockdown was. We didn't know, you know, what was going on. And one of the things that my spiritual practice has taught me is that when you are in fear, put yourself into the service of other people. And so I showed up in my free Facebook group, Unashamedly Human with Emily Chadbourne at 7.30 every morning for like the very first six weeks of the whole pandemic. 
and I just showed up every morning, seven days a week, 7.30 a.m. We would meditate, we would share stories, we would share experiences, we would honor our fears. We would find the control in a world that felt very out of control at the time. And I just showed up and I showed up and I showed up and sometimes two people would join me and sometimes 20 people would join me. And then as I continued to do them, sometimes 100 people would join. And I began to realize that there is such power in community And up until then, up until 2020, I'd really been working with like eight-week courses or 12-week courses or one-on-one. And this is when I began to realize that there is power in people coming together and congregating and getting to know each other and getting to love each other and getting to hear their own stories spoken by another. And that's when I started thinking about Amplify and we launched Amplify, I think it was April 2020. And it was so many lessons. I had to learn how to scale my business very quickly. Um, I had to learn a lot about money and how to manage money and how to feel responsible enough to have this much money and not self-sabotage myself with it, not feel overwhelmed by it, um, do really good things with it, how to contribute to the world around me, where all my gaps were around my finances and how to find the people to help support me through those gaps. And so that was a huge, massive lesson was really the power of community. Um, I think one of the most phenomenal things about Amplify for me and it's been not it's not been the surprising element but it's been the element I'm most proud of yes I'm really proud when a woman comes and you know she was in so much fear about what other people might think of her that she had been procrastinating on starting up her own business or really going for it with her side hustle or sorting out her finances or changing career path or leaving that relationship that didn't serve her and all of a sudden here she goes boom You know, she learns the mindset stuff. She learns the manifestation stuff. She starts developing a spiritual practice where she begins to know and trust herself and honor herself. And she starts taking different action action, and she starts behaving in different ways. And she starts creating this phenomenal life for herself. I have got testimonial after testimonial for you of women who have bought jet skis and Mercedes and their houses and they've gotten married and they've had babies and they've done all of these huge life-changing things as a result of the work of Amplify. And that's all really great and it's all really awesome. But the thing that lights me up, the thing that never fails to make me know that I am on path with this work is the community spirit, the sisterhood, the knowing that somebody always has your back, knowing that you have a place, that you cannot buy through one-on-one coaching. You cannot buy that through a short-term program. It's, it's just knowing that there is always a place for you inside of Amplify, that you don't have to explain yourself or justify yourself. You don't have to feel ashamed of yourself. You don't have to apologize because you've just made loads of money that week or that month. You don't have to apologize because maybe your manifestation hasn't materialized yet and you're still in the process of wanting it. You know, there's no, there's just no need for comparison. And that is something we talk about a lot inside of the Amplify community is coming together cohesively and understanding that we're all on different paths and we're all in different seasons and things are happening at different paces for all of us and that's okay. And I just think for me, the sisterhood, the family 
that you automatically become a part of when you join Amplify, that is the thing that scales your success. And it scaled my success because it scaled my business and it's given me the opportunity to work with so many more people and with women all over the world. But it also scales your success because of the collective energy, the collective wisdom, the collective momentum. And it's just something that I will always, always be super, super, super proud of. And I think, yeah, that was the the lesson for me um, throughout the pandemic was this lesson of community and the power of community and how we can use community to really scale the results that we want to see in our own lives. So that's when Amplify was born. And that was the sort of four pivotal moments that I think have taken me from waiting tables for 20 bucks an hour to where I am now building and growing and investing heavily in the Amplify community vomiting in my own hair and recognizing responsibility and me being the only person that can make a difference in my world that was a huge lesson 2017 learning about resilience and learning about the fact that manifestation isn't just about getting what you want it is about cultivating the internal resources and capabilities to handle the hard stuff and let me tell you this for free and a lot of people won't say this because you know but it's the cold hard truth anyway whatever if you want something big even if you don't think it's that big but you just want it you want your life to be different in some way you want your finances to be different you want your business to explode you want your side hustle hustle to gain momentum you want your career to improve you want that promotion you want a really loving committed relationship you want better health you are going to come up against roadblocks you are going to come up against resistance there is going to be problem it is going to feel difficult you are going to feel like you're failing at times you are going to worry about what other people think of you this is part of the process this is not manifestation not working for you it's just that people don't understand that manifestation is not about always getting what you want it's about having the internal capabilities and resources to deal with it when you're not getting what you want because you've got to push through those moments when you don't get what you want to get what you want that's that was such a big lesson for me 2017 and then that third lesson sobriety and understanding how important it is to have a practice I call it spiritual practice you can call it whatever you want to have a practice to gain self-trust Um, and self-love and to know really how to know yourself how to meet yourself how to know what your own needs and wants are and then that fourth lesson was the pandemic and understanding how important community is and now I get to teach four amazing modules to the Amplify community we talk about mindset where I share all of my learnings from all of the great teachers that I have studied under all of the coaching that I did the work that I did under Rob Proctor the work that I did with gurus like Guru Singh and Brett Larkin and how I've just taken all of my learnings and put them into this really cohesive module around mindset and around how you show up to yourself in this world. We also have a massive module on manifestation and another one on relationships. I think it's really important that we um, don't shy away from the fact that one of the biggest worries that people have when they come to do this type of work is what if I change and the people around me don't change you know what if I make this massive change and I start making loads of money and I become really successful or you know I you know take this different path that people might not have been expecting from me and all of a sudden my family can't relate to me or my partner doesn't really know what's going on anymore and that's a massive fear and we really address that fear and we really nurture um the strategies and the tools and the communication that is needed in order to maintain relationships as we go through this leveling up period 
Um, 99% of case studies from Amplify, literally 99% would report that all of their relationships have improved. And if there have been any relationships that 1% that have maybe finished or ended or a really strict boundary has gone up or there's been some distance, then it's normally because they have known full well that there is a very toxic person in their life that they actually probably need that distance from anyway. Um, so I know it's a fear for people when they come into this work, which is like, oh God, yeah, but what will, you know, what will my husband think of me or what will my wife start thinking or, but it honestly, this work has such ripple effects. Um, time and time and time again, women come up to me and they're like, I'm a better parent. I'm a better partner. I'm more connected in my friendships. I'm much more vulnerable. I'm much more open. I don't take shit anymore. And as a result, there's actually a really respectful relationship that's forming with my family now. Um, so yeah, we go really hard on that relationships module. And then we also have a module about money because again, I've learned a lot of lessons myself about money and having money and managing money and keeping hold of money and the difference between money and wealth. Um, so we talk a lot about that because I'm a huge believer that women need to be well resourced in this world. And of course we have the community, which is where the big bucks lie. That's the priceless part of the Amplify content, um, is really, you buy into the biggest cheerleading squad you could ever imagine. So that has been my journey. I hope that has answered some of the questions that I have had coming in recently about how I have done what I have done or the journey that I have taken to get to where I am. For those of you who've never heard that story before, I would love to know what was really relevant for you. And I thank you all very much for your ears and for your attention. If you've loved this episode, please share the shit about it. Share the shit about it. it. That makes no sense. Please share the shit out of it. And you can always find out more about Amplify. We will drop the link in the show notes, but you can also head to the link in my bio of my Instagram account, which is E.M. Chadbourne, M. Chadbourne. And yeah, thank you so much for listening. I am very appreciative that you came on this journey with me. All right, sending lots of love, legends. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Unashamedly Human, the podcast. I really appreciate your listening. If you have loved this episode, please share the shit out of it. Tell all your mates. Go and whack it on your Insta stories and tag me, M. Chadbourne. And wherever you are listening, if you could rate and review, I would very much appreciate it. You're a legend. Bye, 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 bye.